0: There. How do I sound? Great. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we're glad you came. I know that sometimes it's a big step. If you're joining us online, thanks for doing that. So we're going to find out kind of who's of my generation ilk. See if you can complete this sentence. You ready? Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Relief it is. Yeah, that's out for young people. That's Alka-Seltzer. And the commercial is the person overindulged on spicy food or ate too much and got up in the middle of the night and, oh, they feel terrible. But we can do away with that problem real quickly. Two Alka-Seltzer and the short-term pain, it's gone. We've dealt with it. No more problems. Sometimes there are parts of life, though, that there's there's no Alka-Seltzer for. We go and we experience some consequences. Something seems pleasurable in the short term, but not so much in the long term. Uh, The Bible says when we choose to rebel against God, do our own thing, the Bible calls that sin. And in the short term, it looks good. Kind of like that food looked good that caused the upset stomach, overeating. But I think there's some things we should know about the short-term pleasures of sin, and I want to talk about that today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to 2 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to go all the way through this chapter, wrestling with this question, what should we know about the short-term pleasures of sin? What should we know about the short-term pleasures of sin? Now, if you haven't been with us, we have been going through the book of books of 1 and 2 Samuel for the last while. Um, it's a transition of Israel from a loose federation of states to a monarchy. Uh, in the process, Israel was really looking for security and thought, you know, if we could get a king, if we get a king, we'd be like everybody else, we'd be secure. And God, through the prophet Samuel, said, no, that's a bad idea. And Israel said, no, we really want a king. And finally God said, so you know, who you need is me. I'm going to give you your king. And the first one's name was Saul. He wasn't very good because he missed the memo that Saul, you don't have absolute authority here. I do. Saul did his own thing and God said, we're moving on. Anointed another king named David. David's rising popularity threatened Saul. And so there was this chase. In the end, Saul could not end David's life, and Saul dies in battle. David becomes king, and after a civil war of sorts, his his reign is solidified. Uh, He begins to win battles and expand Israel's borders, so for the first time in their history, they are living in peace within the Promised Land. They're not suffering invasions from foreigners. However, in one of these battles, uh, sometimes David went out, sometimes he didn't, and this one he did not, and he's up. On the roof of his house, and he sees a woman bathing. Her name's Bathsheba, and she looked good. And David said, hey, could you, he said, could you find out about her? And the person goes back, yes, says, she's she's somebody's daughter, and she's somebody's wife. But see, David has been collecting wives. He's just been doing it, even though the word of God said the king should not multiply wives. And he just thinks, I'm going to take one more. So he does, he lays with her, and she gets pregnant. Now he's got a problem because um, Bathsheba's husband was off at war. So David thinks, I'll call her back, call him back. He'll go sleep with her and we'll solve the problem. But this guy's too honorable. So look, if, if my soldiers, who I'm fighting with, aren't sleeping with their wives, I'm not doing it. David hears that and thinks, I'll get the guy drunk. Still won't do it. So David orders his murder. From Joab, the commander, it happens... Uh, David ends up marrying the woman, and he thinks he's pulled it off. But at the end of chapter 11, it says, but God, in Verse in uh, chapter 12, God sends his prophet Nathan and confronts David on his sin. David admits his sin, and Nathan said, look, here's the deal. You're going to be restored. God is going to forgive you. The eternal house that was promised, uh, that's in place. But you're going to suffer consequences for your action. The first consequence was the baby that you conceived will die. And in fact, the baby did. Then he said, the sword's never going to depart from your house. Let's keep that in mind as we start chapter 13. It says this, now it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now, I think what we're going to discern here is Absalom and Tamar are full brother and sister. Amnon is half. They all have David as a father. Amnon has a different mother. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill for he was a virgin, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard for Amnon to do anything to her. So he decides, I want my half-sister. And he's so obsessed, he's sick. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. So this is uh, David's uh, nephew, Amnon's cousin, and Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He said to him, O son of The king, why are you so depressed morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Then Amnon said to him, I am in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother Absalom. Jonah then said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me some food to eat. And let her prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So this nephew's got a plan. Pretend you're sick. Get David to bring Tamar in, and then you're going to eat food from her hand. Well, where's this plan going? It doesn't sound great. Well, let's find out. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. David obliges. Verse 7, then David sent to the house of Tamar, saying, Go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar... Agrees. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. And she took dough, kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. She took the pan and dished them out before him, but he refused to eat. Here's where it turns a little ominous. And Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. Why do you need everybody out, Amnon? So everyone went out from him. Verse 10, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hands. So Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them into the bedroom to her brother Amnon. And when she brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come lie with me, my sister. So there we go. There's the plan. Get everybody out. Pretend I'm sick. Hey, can you bring him to me? Bring her to you. Say, Lie with me. He wants to have relations with her. But she answered, No, my brother, do not violate me. For such a thing is not done in Israel. This is not how we roll in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. As for me, where could I get rid of my reproach? Now, if you love her, Amnon, you realize if you violate her, she's stuck with this reproach. Do you care about her? Apparently not. And as for you, you will look like one of the fools in Israel. So Tamar has a solution here, And to verse 13. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. Hey, we can get married. The king can make this happen. We can do this legitimately. But let's not be disgraced. Don't leave me with the shame of being raped and violated. Let's do this right. However, he, Amnon, would not listen to her since he was stronger than she. He violated her. And lay with her. Nathan said, "David, the sword will never depart from your house." Here we go. We're just getting started. We got rape. That's what we got. We got rape. What happened? Look, I'm not. I'm not letting Amnon off the hook at all. He's responsible for his actions. But I would suggest to you that Amnon is just seeing what his dad's been doing for years. Use your power. Take advantage of women. For for Amnon, it was his physical strength. For David, it was his positional power. You see someone you like, you take her. Just because you can. Amnon's just doing what he's seen. Once our first child was born, man, if, if I wanted to get something right, I wanted to try and get parenting right. And I thought, I got no experience here. I've never done this. I've read a few books, watched a few videos. So what I started doing is I would have uh, lunches with men who were farther along in the parenting. Their kids were older, and I'd tell people, what, what What'd you do? What, what, what'd you do? What, what, what worked? I remember one guy said to me, he said, Andy, at my kid's age, they're not so much interested in what I'm saying. They're real interested in what I'm doing. They're watching. Way back when I was a college student, I was on a missions project, We, we, we coined this phrase and many of you have heard it, discipleship is caught, not taught. I want you to follow Jesus. I can, I can talk, 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 talk. I can, I can give you scripture. I can, and that's, that's good. But it's what I do that influences. And what's David been doing? Well, he's been abusing power to take advantage of women. And guess what? His son followed suit. Not letting Amnon off the hook. He's responsible for his actions. So now what happens? He's violated her. Remember we said, uh, Amnon said he loved Tamar. Remember he loved her, loved her, loved her. Count with me in verse 15 how many times you see the word hate. Here we go. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. That's two. For the hatred, that's three, with which he hated her, that's four, was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go away. Where's the love? I thought you loved her. You didn't love her. You lusted after her. You didn't love her. Because now you want nothing to do. with it. Get her out. Get her out. I hate her. Get her out. But she said to him, No, because this wrong in sending me is greater than the other that you have done to me. Sending me away is worse. Yet he would not listen to her. Then he called his young man who attended him and said, now throw this woman out of my presence and lock the door behind her. Again, where's the love? Now she had on a long-sleeved garment. For in this manner the virgin daughters of the king dressed themselves in robes. Then his attendant took her out and locked the door behind her. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her long-sleeved garment, which was on her. And she put her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. See, see, when women lost their husband, you tell her, your clothes. Tamar is tearing her clothes, but she was never married; just raped. So, David, you gotta—you gotta rape in your household. What are you gonna do? Well, let's find out what David does in verses twenty to twenty-two. Then Absalom, her brother, said to her, "Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now keep silent, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this matter to heart." So Tamar remained and was desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now when King David heard these things, he was very angry. And what does he do? Your silence, my silence speaks volumes. He does nothing. And Absalom did not speak to Amnon, either good or bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister. David's angry and does nothing. Why? I'd suggest to you that David has lost the moral credibility to act here. See, he took a woman on his own, used his position. So so who are you? to call out your son for doing that. David, your actions have cut the legs out from under your moral credibility. Something needs to be done here. Justice is, something needs, action needs to happen, but nothing happens. There's a moral vacuum here. When somebody raised somebody else, there needs to be a consequence, and there's not. Since David's not going to fill that vacuum, any idea who might? Let's find out. Verse 23. Now it came about after two years. Remember, two full years. Absalom's been seething on this. That Absalom had sheep shears in Balhazor, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. Absalom came to the king and said, behold, now your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant." But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we should not all go, for we will be burdensome to you. Although he urged him, he would not go, but blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, and he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now, sheep-shearing is a big social event, a big party. The wine flows. Stuff happens. Verse 28. Absalom commanded his servant, saying, See now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then put him to death. Do not fear. Have I not commanded, have have not I myself commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. He's calling people to courage and valiant. What? To commit murder. That's how twisted this is. The servants of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom commanded. Then all the king's sons arose and each mounted his mule. And fled. We had a moral vacuum, didn't we? <laughs> Somebody's going to fill it. Absalom filled it. So now, what you going to do now, David? Verse thirty to thirty-three. Now it came while they were on the way that the report came to David saying, Absalom has struck down all the king's sons; not one of them is left. Then the king arose, tore his clothes, and lay on the ground, and all his servants were standing by with clothes torn. Jonab, the son of Shimeah, David's brother, responded, Do not let my lord suppose that they have put to death all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. Because by the intent of Absalom this has been determined since the day he violated his sister. Why was it determined? Because David didn't do anything. So now a second son is implicated he's guilty of murder. Now therefore, do not let my Lord, the king, take the report to heart. Namely, all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. So Absalom filled that gap. He took things into his own hands, and and he meted out justice. He committed murder. So David, what are you going to do with Absalom? Nothing. Because you remember, David... In order, when he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant and Uriah wouldn't sleep with her because he was too honorable of a man, ordered his execution. So David, where's your moral credibility to bring Absalom to justice? Not that murder's ever okay, but but he had a reason, if you will. I mean, his brother committed rape and you're not going to do anything about it? David, you had no reason except you were trying to cover up your adultery. Remember what Nathan said? David, the sword will never depart from your house. He's got rape, and he's got murder among his kids. And friends, we're just getting started. we got a few more weeks of this. So what does Absalom do? He realizes this is not good. So verse 34, now Absalom had fled, and the young man who was the watchman raised his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come according to your servant's words, so it happened. As soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted their voices and wept, and also the king and his servants wept very bitterly. Everybody's devastated by what's gone on. Now Absalom fled and went to Talmai the son of Ahumut. The king of Geshur and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom had fled and gone to Geshur and was there three years. The heart of King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon since he was dead. Got raped, then you got murder, then you got a son you long for who's, who's living in exile because he's afraid to face justice. So, might I ask, when David's up on the porch or wherever he is and he looks down, man, she looks good. Looks good. And he calls for her and they have those moments of intimacy and probably felt good. You weigh those short-term pleasures, against these long-term consequences. You tell me, was it worth it? Was it worth it? If David could go back and do it again, (laughs) he'd do it differently, but that's not how we roll. See, we have power over our choices, but we don't have power over the consequence of our choices. Sin, rebellion against God in the short term. It looks good. It brings some short-term pleasure. But here's what we need to know. The short-term pleasures of sin are far outweighed by the long-term consequences of sin. The short-term pleasures of sin, the gratification, the feeling, the the revenge, the whatever you got, far outweighed by the long-term consequences of sin. And David's living, starting to live, the long-term consequences of his sin. Let me back up here. God has not rejected David. David will have an eternal reign. Jesus is known as the son of David. Jerusalem is known as the city of David. God is not done with David. He still loves him. He's forgiven and restored him. But David has to face the consequences of his actions of his sin that's true for you and for me God is not done with us but we will face the consequences of our actions it's always hard to to illustrate this but let me try you and I I mean we're, we're long term friends we're really good friends and and one day we get into it in an argument and 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 punches fly and, and and you hit me in the nose and break my nose and deviate my septum and because I recently saw the movie Creed, I duck and I bring up a hook and I bust your jaw. And your jaw's wired for six months. All you can eat, or six weeks, all you can use is liquids. You know, the next day we say, man, that was dumb. I, I'm so sorry. And will you forgive me? Yeah, will you forgive me? And, and yet we're back, we're good. But you know what? My, my nose, it, septum, still deviated. And you're still going to be drinking liquids for the next six weeks. So that's the consequence of our actions. We're good. We're back. But the consequences, well, they're, they're still there. We'll live with those. So it is in our relationship with God. We're for, we, we confess we're forgiven, but the consequences are still there. God gives us his message so we don't have to route, walk the road of these consequences. And let me tell you, our culture, our media, says there's no consequence to sexual immorality. You do what you want when you want. So I like to read, uh, Lee Child's got a character named Jack Reacher, and Reacher's this former military police, and he drifts from town to town, and he comes in, and there's corruption, and he kicks butt and takes names, and he sets it right, and then he goes to the next town. And he always hooks up with a woman. And this particular thing, he he's, he's set things right, he's brought it by the fist, and, 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 and the woman says, you know, I know he's leaving, and he'll just... Remained a cherished memory in my mind. That's not true. You're intimate with somebody, you bond with them. That's why God says one person in marriage. You bond with them and you leave, you hurt, you scar. You attach yourself and that person walks and you bond enough and, and you give yourself away. As a pastor, I'm having way too many conversations about people who got hooked on Im- pornography. See, even there, the image stays in your mind, and then when it comes to your marriage, it's there. And there, there's a competition. Short term pleasure? Sure. Outweighed by the long term consequence? Absolutely. Are you still loved by God if you confess? Yeah, absolutely. We live with that consequence? You sure will. That's what God's trying to get us through. Now, what's true here for sexual morality can, can be said for gossip. is not gossip, doesn't it feel good in the short term? I mean, I, I want to be popular, and you know what? You, I mean, you're just a lot more popular than you're a lot. And so if I could just kind of, did you hear about, man, I bring you down. I feel good about, I feel that's good, bring him down. Trouble is, if I get known as a gossip, there goes my reputation, doesn't it? It's a long-term consequence. If you've me preach before, you know me. I like to, like to uh, just, I, I mean, I would, I'm a pastor, right? I wouldn't lie. I would just maybe, i just stretch the truth just a little bit on stories. So, so I look a little funnier, a little bolder, a little smarter than, than I really am. Why? Because I really want your approval. Tell us when I get outed, I can't be trusted. We're spending. Man, it, it's on sale. It is on sale. Yeah, but it's not in your budget, but, but it's on sale. <laughs> in the short term, it feels good. But in the long term, you've got a debt that you can't handle. I want to suggest to you, these short-term pleasures of sin, those needs are met in Jesus. That draw to sexual immorality, I would say it's a cry for intimacy, it's a cry for pleasure. That's ultimately found in Jesus. He said, I want to meet your deepest needs. He said, Psalm 16, verse 11, pleasures are in my right hand. That gossip or that, 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 that me telling the stories a little, you know, that, that, that's a cry for significance. She said, let, let me tell you about significance. If you're the only person on earth, i I'd die for you. That's significance. God of the world says that. That spending, a, again, it's that it's pleasure, it's like gratification. Let me, let me meet something that, that give you a sense of significance and gratification that, that, that won't be gone and you won't have to buy the next thing. It's in me. See, Jesus says there's a way out. We don't have to buy into these short-term pleasures. I'm the one who can meet the deepest needs. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, verse 32. It said this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That what you're looking for, and that short-term sin, Jesus, I can give that to you. And there's no long-term consequence so before i was a pastor i worked in a campus ministry and so i spent a lot of times in student centers So, where are my college students here maybe you can help me out here so a lot of times that a couple times a year there'd be a company that would set up they'd have a booth in the thing and it would say free candy bar free candy bar who do you think that might be giving away a free candy bar Credit card company, yes it is, it's a credit card company. If you will just fill out this application, the big Kit Kat, the extra big Snickers, it's yours, it is yours. And guess what? About 100% of the students that I knew filled it out, they got a credit card. And they had about a thousand dollar credit limit on it. But what were they hoping the student would do? Yeah, you, I, I, I want to go back. I want to go to San Diego. If you're in Colorado, San Diego's a good place to go. I want to get a stereo system for my car, and I, I don't have it, but shoo, I can do that. And then what? You can't pay the principal, and you got a long-term consequence, don't you? Every month, 30 bucks, and it's 30 bucks, 30 bucks. My, when I was a director at a couple, they graduated from CU Boulder. They're on my team, and we were on limited... Uh, limited salary, and he had fallen for it as a college student. And their finances were crimped because he had this $80 a month, or I don't know what it was, 100 bucks a month, $60, I don't know, payment. and He's not getting anywhere in principle. Man, I would not take the trip again. He took a trip to San Diego. He's from San Diego. I would not take the trip again if I knew the cost. Well, God's here to say, I want to spare you that. And rather than biting and what is very short-term pleasure with long-term consequence, I want to offer you Jesus. He fulfills our deepest needs. What do we need to know about short-term pleasures of sin? Looks good in the short term. Those pleasures are far, far outweighed by the long-term consequences.